chapter 12, verses 14 through 15 is where we're going to read. And it says this, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So in this scripture, it's, it's really talking about the, the root of bitterness that can, cause, that can be caused in our hearts from all different sorts of situations. But mainly the root of bitterness gets, gets kind of deep down in our heart from broken relationships or hurting relationships. Uh, when somebody says or does something that hurts us, roots of bitterness can kind of spring up. Uh, but in this verse, it's, it's funny because it's, it starts off in Hebrews saying, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness with which no one will see the Lord. And it, it's talking about striving for keeping your heart pure because without a pure heart, you won't see God. Without a pure heart, uh, you can't get to heaven. <laughs> you have to be, uh, matter of fact, the Lord says he won't forgive us if we don't forgive other people. Right, so, so keeping our heart pure is very serious business according to the word of God. It's not something that we should take lightly. So uh, walking around on a regular basis with a heart full of hatred or a heart full of anger or a heart full of bitterness uh, is serious business because God says he will forgive us how we forgive others. Right, So if we don't forgive others properly, God won't forgive us. And uh, there's all kinds of scriptures, hey guys. There's all kinds of scriptures and areas where that's where that's found in the Bible and true, and, it, and it's continuous in the Bible. But bitterness in particular, I think, is something deeper than just a typical hurt or pain. And what bitterness is, is when a typical hurt or pain, continue, you continue to let it go. You don't deal with it. You don't, you don't get with God and get it fixed. You don't uh, get it corrected. You don't get with the person that you're having issues with and fix it. And it just continuously begins to grow in your heart. And it turns into what the word says in Hebrews 12, what is a root of bitterness, a root of bitterness. And it says it, it causes trouble. It springs up and causes trouble. And by, by it, many become defiled. Uh, many become defiled because it leads to all kinds of different sins of the heart uh, when you have a root of bitterness dealing with it. Now, bitterness, guys, I'll tell you this, is a trap set for you by the enemy, right? There's a spirit of offense. John, uh, John Bevere, thank you. John Bevere wrote the book. She didn't even look at me, and she knew exactly what I was doing. Uh, John Bevere wrote the book, The Bait of Satan, you know, and it's all about offense, dealing with offense, being offended by, by other people, right? Uh, but offense, bitterness, all of that are traps set by the enemy because the enemy wants us to be at odds with each other. What happens when Christian communities are in unity, right? When Christian communities are in unity, God is glorified in that, right? Because God uh, puts, puts forth the example of unity with the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being in unity. That's the example that we're supposed to strive for. So when churches come together in unity, God is glorified in that. When husbands and wives come together in unity, God is glorified in that. When families come together in unity, God is glorified in that, right? And, and that's something that the enemy doesn't want. The enemy wants to try to disrupt that whenever he can. And the biggest ways that the enemy disrupts that is by unforgiveness, bitterness, offense, hurt, right? If he can finagle himself into a situation to utilize somebody to cause an offense in your life, which, which can set into a root of bitterness, then he's done his job and limited your ability to work for the kingdom. 
He's done his job and limited your ability to bring unity uh, into, the, into your particular body of believers or to bring unity into your family, right, or to bring unity in your community. If, if you're walking around with offense and bitterness in your heart, you can't bring unity. It doesn't, the two don't work together. They don't, they don't work well together. So a healthy heart, guys, is a key to a healthy life. Would you agree? Healthy heart is a key to a healthy life. An unhealthy heart is the cause of an unhealthy life. So a healthy heart is a key to a healthy life. Proverbs 4.23 says this in the NLT version. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow, or for, for from it flow the springs of life. Uh, other versions say, from it flow the issues of life. So the, how many of you uh, have issues from time to time? Anybody? How many of you have whole subscriptions? Right? Some of us have issues. Some of us have the whole subscription, man. We get it all year long, right? So you deal with issues and you deal with, with problems in your life. And most of the issues that we deal with spring from our heart. Uh, how, our, how our heart is, so purity of heart and, and cleanliness of heart is so key and so important to living a good, healthy life for God. So pure, purity of heart is important. An unhealthy heart, how many of you know, can be hidden for a while, but eventually it starts to leak out. You can have an unhealthy heart for a season and hide it. That's why when Jessica and I uh, talk about premarital counseling and we talk about uh, dating and stuff like that, one of the things that we've learned for that experts teach that you need to know somebody for 18 to 24 months before you put a ring on it, right? Now, that's, is that always the case? Do, do sometimes does it happen differently and go, okay? Yeah, it does. Sometimes it happens differently and go, okay. But, but typically and usually, uh, 18 to 24 months is key. And why is that? Because somebody can hide their ugly for 18 to 24 months, right, before they show it to you. Amen? Ain't, you guys are way quiet. <laughs> y'all are like, I ain't amen. All of y'all got married before 18 to 24 months, didn't you? That's why everybody's quiet right now. Uh, but, but seriously, people can hide that. Well, just like that, bitterness can be hidden in a person's heart uh, for a long time before it starts to leak out. They can kind of control it for a while. But how many of you know bitterness in the heart grows and grows and grows when it's left unattended? And those roots of bitterness go deeper and deeper and deeper until eventually it's impossible for that person to hide the bitterness that's in their heart. So they can hide it for a season. They can hide it for an occasion. They can hide it for a, a, a date or a, a month or a week or, or even sometimes a year. But eventually, left unattended, that bitterness will start to leak out in a person's life. These are some ways that it leaks out. It leaks out in our relationships. It leaks out in our relationships. Uh, especially in a marriage, because in a marriage we tend to let our guard down. Uh, we're at home. We, uh, we we see each other in all sorts of ways <laughs> when we're when we're when it's just husband and wife at home. And these are typically ways that bitterness can starts to leak out first, is in your relationships at home. It creates issues with unknown causes. So sometimes you'll start having issues in your relationships, and and you don't even realize where it's coming from. You're just you just start blaming each other for things, and and you you can't even really say or put your thumb on what the problem is. And a lot of times it's bitterness left unattended in your heart, and it could be from a whole different other relationship. It could be from a previous marriage. It could be from a previous engagement or dating. It could be from an, from an old friendship. It could be from bitterness from towards parents or bitterness towards a sibling. But something left unattended in your heart starts to leak out, and the number one place that it shows up is under the roof of the people that you share, right, with the people that you share a roof under, right? It begins to leak out because that's where you let your hair down first. 
right? That's where you let your, your guard down first. So it begins to create issues, but you don't even really know why the issues are there. And it's because you, you've ignored it for so long that you think that bitterness has just gone away and you haven't dealt with it and it keeps coming back. It keeps causing issues. So it leaks out in that way. This is the, is the other way that it leaks out in our life is through our speech. If you want to know if somebody's bitter, pay attention to their speech. They might have a smile on their face. Their body language may say something completely different because they're working really hard not to show it. But if you start paying attention to the words that are coming out of people's mouths, pretty soon if they have a bitter heart, it begins to come out of their mouth, right? It begins to, to come out. Answers become choppy and snappy, right? Uh, I, I know sometimes when, when I need to get alone with God and, and get some correction in my life. How many of you know you need some correction in your life from time to time, right? I do too. From time to time, I need God to work on my heart. I need God to, to do some stuff in me. And I know that I need to, to get alone with God and allow him to do some heart surgery on me when I start getting short with how I speak to my wife. If, if my wife and I are talking and I start getting short with her, she'll usually say, um, I think it's time you need to go get alone with God for a while. Like, you need to, like, not schedule anything and just spend some time with the Lord tomorrow or something because you're talking to me in some kind of way and I don't like it right now, right? She knows that that's an indicator of my heart starting to have some issues, right? And it's the same in all of us. When our hearts are having issues, it, it shows up in our mouth. So not just in how we talk, but, but also in our content of speech, right? Our content of speech starts becoming sarcastic, rude, negative, right? It, it starts mirroring things that aren't necessarily biblical, Right? If you start listening to a Christian and they're saying things that, isn't, that don't line up with the Bible, that's because there's some bitterness in their heart that's starting to flow out of their mouth. Right? So you've got to be careful uh, making sure that, that one, if, you have, if they're close enough to you, that you can call them out on it, you call them out on it. And if they're not close enough to you for you to call them out on it, you need to get away from them and pray for them. Because it's catching, and the longer time you spend around somebody who's negative or somebody who's bitter, uh, you'll have an opportunity for a seed of negativity or bitterness to, to launch into your heart, right? So, so it's catching. So we gotta we got to make sure that who we allow to speak into our life, that we're listening and we're watching for that kind of stuff. And if it's a friend or a, 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 a spouse or somebody, that, man, we, we lovingly, lovingly address it with them. This is something that you're dealing with, and let me pray with you. Uh, let's go get along with God, let us pray together, and then you go get along with God and get this area right in your life because it's starting to, to show up, right? So it shows up in our relationships, it shows up in our speech, and then eventually it shows up in our walk with God. Our walk with God, eventually it shows up there because bitterness left unattended in your heart will gradually overgrow everything else that's rooted in your heart, uh, including you being rooted in Christ, so it, it will eventually overgrow the areas and the things in your heart that, that help you with your walk to God, and that'll start to go away. Bitterness is an enemy of a heart, but it's a sneaky enemy. Bitterness is sneaky. And what I mean by that is because it, it can give off the appearance of being justified. You can, you can take the, the appearance that my bitterness or my anger or my unforgiveness is justified because of what they did to me. Right. They we have. How many of you know we have our own perceptions on things? 
So you can perceive that somebody hurt you, even if they made no intention to hurt you, even if they didn't do it on purpose, if it was an accident and they accidentally hurt you, or, or just uh, it was two different roads and, and just something happened that, that, that you didn't want to happen, but it happened, right? But something happens and you let, it, you let it sneak in and you have this justification in your mind that I have a right to feel this way. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be mad. I have a right to be offended. You know, and, and, and we start to think that, and then because we feel justified in our right to be offended or our right to be bitter, we don't deal with it. We don't take it to the Lord because we think we're justifiably bitter. Can I tell you tonight, there's no justifiableness to your bitterness. That the Bible says you need to get it taken care of immediately, that you don't let a root of bitterness set in, that you've got to deal with it, right? And, and it's, it's something that's sneaky. It happens that way. Um, so bitterness is more than likely an offshoot of forgiveness withheld. So withheld forgiveness is usually where a root of bitterness comes from, uh, even sometimes subconsciously. Sometimes it happens subconsciously. I know some very awesome, awesome people, uh, great men and women of God, who have a root of bitterness in their life subconsciously that they've, they've let affect them to the degree and point uh, to where it causes issues in relationships, it causes issues even in their ministry, right? It's because they've, they've let it deal with them. They've taken the perspective that they're justified in those feelings, and then they haven't taken those feelings before the Lord to deal with them, so they just let it grow because of their justification. But then subconsciously, they think they're okay, right? On the outside, they think they're okay. And if you ask them, are you okay? They say, absolutely, I'm fine. But on the inside, they have this tangled web of root system that's, that's growing through their heart. That's a bitterness that they haven't dealt with. So I want you guys to, to write this down if you take notes or, or even if you don't take notes, write this down. Bitterness cannot exist in a forgiving heart. Bitterness absolutely can't exist in a forgiving heart. If we've got a heart that's trained to forgive because we do it so often, if we've got a heart that's trained to forgive because we don't let things slide and we don't let things go and we, we deal with things when they happen, if you've got a heart that's trained to forgive, then you have a forgiving heart. And when you have a forgiving heart, bitterness never gets access to it because you deal with it before it ever comes. Uh, it doesn't mean that offenses won't come, right? Offenses definitely come. That's scriptural. That's biblical. Offenses will come. But in those moments, those with a forgiving heart immediately uh, deal with it, immediately forgive, immediately let it go. Um, now, I talked about this a little bit. On, I don't know if it was this Sunday or the Sunday before, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you immediately trust, right? If somebody's hurt you, it doesn't mean you immediately trust, but you immediately forgive because immediately forgiven uh, ceases the possibility of bitterness getting set into your heart. And who is that protecting, guys? It's protecting you. Right? You've got to protect your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. And if you don't want whole subscriptions, you've got to keep your heart checked. Right? You've got to keep your heart checked. Matter, matter of fact, um, I, I had a, a thing on our staff at my previous position as executive pastor, and it, it was something that I would meet with most of the staff on a, on a regular basis, and I called it a heart check. Like, I want to make sure that your heart's okay, because why? Because you're doing ministry with me linked arm in arm. 
So I got to make sure your heart's okay because if your heart's not okay, it's going to affect the next guy and the next guy and everybody else that you're linked with doing ministry with, right? So I, I always call it a heart check, but the truth is we all need heart checks. And if you don't have anybody giving you heart checks, let the Lord give you heart checks. Go before the Lord like King David and say, search me, Lord. You know my heart. Search it, Lord. Find any evil way within me. You know, and, and go before the Lord to get a heart check. If nobody's doing it for you, go to the Lord and he'll do it for you. Let him do it. So bitterness cannot exist in a forgiving heart, which is why God tells us to forgive daily. Right? When they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, and he taught the Lord's Prayer. Part of that uh, Lord's Prayer was forgive us our trespasses, Lord, as, uh, as, we forgive, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right? As we forgive those who wrong us, forgive me. That's a scary prayer, guys. It's a scary prayer. So if you're, if you're just flippantly saying that from time to time, Lord, you know, uh, if, you, if you just say the Lord's Prayer, there's lots of people who just repeat the Lord's Prayer like, like rotely, you know what I mean? And I don't necessarily, when Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to pray, I don't think he necessarily said, say these words every day in the same way, in the same time, with the same frame of mind, right? I don't think he wanted us to be robotic. But I think he was showing us an example of these are the kinds of things you need to pray on a daily basis. On a daily basis. And, and saying the Lord's Prayer is scary. Why? Because you're saying, Lord, forgive me the way I forgive other people. And that's scary if you don't forgive other people well. Because you're saying, Lord, today, just withhold your forgiveness from me because you're justified because I hurt your feelings. Lord, today, just withhold your forgiveness from, from me the way I didn't forgive my husband for putting the to leaving the toilet seat up in the middle of the night. Lord, you, you know, today, withhold your, your forgiveness from me, Lord, because you're justified in it just because you're having a bad day. You know, it, we're saying, Lord, forgive us the way we forgive others. Then we, we need to make sure that on a daily basis we're checking our hearts. Man, I, uh, this is something that's important to me, and it, it plays out a big role in, in Jessica and I's testimony. And forgiveness is, a, is, a, is, is not only a key tenet of Christianity, it's a key tenet of why I'm standing before you today. Right. But it's also a key tenet of why you're saved today, because God forgave you. Amen. So when we forgive each other, uh, we are the most Christ like when we're offering forgiveness to somebody who has hurt you deeply. So so in this system, we need to make sure that we do it on a daily basis. So it's interesting that the Bible speaks about bitterness as a root, a root of, of bitterness. And I, I kind of studied a few nights ago what a root system does for a tree. And there's two main things that the root does for a tree. Number one, the root is the tree's anchor system. The, the tree is anchored into the ground because of the root system. So the root system anchors the tree to the soil that it's, that it's growing out of. Uh, has anybody seen, there was uh, some pictures floating around Facebook recently, I think it might have been a meme or just an inspirational quote, and it had a tree that the water had washed out a bunch of soil underneath it, and there was about a three-foot gap between the bottom of the tree and the ground now, and the roots were the only things you saw. There was, there was dozens of roots just, just sticking out of the bottom of the tree and holding the tree up, and it was a massive tree. Right? The root system is the anchor for the tree in the ground, so it digs deep. Uh, and it develops incredible strength and tenacity to hold that tree, no matter how large that tree gets. It develops a, 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 an amazing strength and tenacity to do that. And the root system anchors that tree in place, no matter what storms come in its life. Right. The second thing is this. The root system provides nourishment for the tree. 
So the root system is not only an anchor for the tree, but it's a, it's a source of nourishment for the tree. So it absorbs minerals and nutrients and sends them up the tree, and it continually feeds the tree. So everything coming up through the roots feeds the tree. It absorbs it. So if the enemy can affect you the most in, in any area of your life, would it not be in the area of your anchor, in the area of your sustenance? If the enemy could cause you to root into something else or to gain something from another root system, it would take you out of your anchoring system, which who is our anchor, according to the word? Jesus, right? Our hope in Christ is our anchor, right? So, so and who is our sustenance? Jesus. So, so in this way, uh, when we allow a root of bitterness in our life, it does both of these things in a negative way. So when you allow roots of bitterness to set in your heart, this is something that happens. The root of bitterness anchors you to the feelings of hurt, anger, pain, and unforgiveness that you're dealing with. When you allow that root system to take place in your heart, it's anchoring you to those feelings that remind you of what somebody did to you. It anchors you to those feelings that make you feel justified for the anger and the hatred in your heart towards them. Right. It anchors you to that to those feelings, to those emotions, to that moment. And then it continually feeds you those bad emotions and feelings every time you hit a trigger that reminds you of what they did. So every time a trigger pops up that that just to the smallest degree reminds you of something that somebody did to you, it continually feeds you those bad emotions and those bad feelings. And that's why every once in a while, if you haven't dealt with something in your life and you're still carrying bitterness, and you're still carrying anger, that you'll hit a trigger, and all of a sudden you feel like you felt on the day that they did you wrong. All of a sudden those feelings just pop up, right? And it's because the root system in your heart rooted into bitterness continuously feeds you those emotions. That's why you have to break it and root it out, right? You need to dig it out of your heart. you got to get it gone. So it does these things in a negative way. So number one tonight, the root of bitterness is invisible at first. The root of bitterness is invisible. It leaves just, lives just beneath the surface. Sometimes the root of bitterness will grow rapidly in somebody's life, and sometimes it will grow slowly in somebody's life. But left to its own devices, roots of, of bitterness always grow. They never stay the same. So they either grow slowly or they grow rapidly, but they always affect you more the longer you leave it undealt with. They continually, they continually deal with that. And left unchecked, it can initially affect your rootedness in Christ. It can affect how you're rooted to, to Christ. So Jesus said in John 15, 5, that he is the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in him, uh, and I put in, in uh, parentheses next to it, rooted in him as our anchor and our sustaining savior. So if we abide in him, rooted in him as our anchor and our sustaining savior, in, I in him bear much what? Fruit. So we bear fruit. So what happens is uh, certain trees, all trees bear something, right? But certain trees bear fruit. from their, They get sustaining from the roots. They get anchor from the root system. And eventually they bear fruit. So you have the roots and you have the fruit of the tree, right? So the roots of bitterness also lead to the fruits of bitterness. If you have roots in your life, uh, you also can have uh, the roots of bitterness in your life. You'll have the fruits of bitterness in your life. They begin to happen. So if you need to know if you're dealing with a, with a root of bitterness, you need to check your what? Check your fruit. You need to look at your fruit, right? So that's something that you have to do. Here's, here's a few fruits of bitterness that can come from, from having the roots of bitterness in your life. Anger, rage, and outrage. 
Does anybody find themselves just flipping out at a moment's notice? You know, that something just rages all of a sudden. You were absolutely fine, and then all of a sudden something triggers you, and rage just comes out of you. In that moment, that, that's coming out of you because it's, it's, it's fed to you from a root of bitterness. The next one is self-pity. Self-pity is often a fruit of bitterness from the root of bitterness in your life. So if you're too busy feeling sorry for yourself, can you do anything for anybody else? So the enemy will is sneaky. He tries to trick you by getting you caught up in this. And if you're too busy sitting around feeling sorry for yourself, you will never affect another person's life. And how many of you know that's the work of the kingdom? That's the work of the gospel is, is to tell other people and talk to other people and sharing the gospel. But you can't do that if you're so busy focused on yourself. If you're so busy focused on, on feeling sorry for yourself, which leads to the third one, which is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. How many of you know pain makes you self-centered? Right? When you're in pain, all you can think about is yourself. When you're dealing with hurt and you're dealing with problems, all you can think about is yourself. Uh, it's very rare for somebody to be dealing with a lot of pain in themselves and go around taking care of everybody else. Right? Pain in us, uh, if you have a stomach, a bad stomach cramp, what are you thinking about? A bad stomach cramp. If you have a toothache, what are you thinking about? If you have a headache, what are you thinking about? Right? Pain makes us self-centered. In the same way, pain makes us self-centered emotionally. If you're dealing with emotional hurt, emotional pain, and you have trauma to your heart that needs to be dealt with, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about your own trauma. Right. So pain, uh, the, one of the fruits is self-centeredness and, and anger, rage and outrage, self-pity and self-centeredness lead to these other fruits, which are poor mental health. Poor mental health. Uh, the second one is poor emotional health. Can I tell you today that allowing a fruit of bitterness or a root of bitterness in your heart will drive you crazy? Not dealing with it and not getting it out will eventually drive you crazy. You'll have poor mental health and poor emotional health because you haven't dealt with that. So it's so important, guys. That's the, God, God is so clear on how quickly and efficiently that we're supposed to forgive and how often even, right? He's so clear about it. But can I tell you that he, he, he wants us to do that because he loves us? He loves you so much. He, don't, he doesn't want you to have poor mental health, poor emotional health. And then the last one is poor spiritual health. He doesn't want you to have any of those things. He wants you uh, uh, set free and not in bondage and chains to things that have happened to you. Uh, which have caused roots of bitterness in your heart, which causes fruits of bitterness in your life, right? And as, as we talk about this tonight and we think about it, I'm sure that all of us in this room have had times in our life, man, where we were just mentally, emotionally, spiritually drained, and it was all because something happened to us, something, something was done to us, and we just uh, struggle, and we're, we're no good to anybody else, and we're no good to the kingdom. And I've had, I've had seasons like that in my life. Or man, it was just it was just bad. I was no good to anybody else because I was so full of of all the fruit of a bitterness that was deep in my heart that needed to be dealt with. Right. I think all of us in this room right now could could honestly say that at some point in our life, it doesn't have, maybe not years, maybe not even months, but maybe just weeks, maybe or just a short time. But a period in your life where you were no good to anybody else because you were so entirely self-centered because you were dealing with unforgiveness and bitterness. Right. So so God doesn't want us to be uh, so far taken out of the picture by the enemy that we're not fruitful for the kingdom of God because we're self-centered and dealing with our own issues. Right. So he wants us to forgive, let it go immediately, uh, deal with it immediately so that it doesn't sink in and sideline us for a while.
So it is something that, that God wants for us, which is why he's asking us. So mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, how many of you know all those are tied together? All right, the body is, is body, spirit, and soul. It's all tied together. And emotional health, spiritual health, mental health, those are all tied together, and one affects each other. So when you start struggling in one area, it won't be long. If you're struggling emotionally, it won't be long until you're struggling mentally. Right? And if you're struggling emotionally and mentally, it won't be long until you start to struggle spiritually because they're all linked together. So gardens grow what is planted, but how many of you know you have to, it has to be tended to? How many of you have grown a garden in your life? About half of us, right? Um, so I haven't grown a garden. I watched my dad grow a garden, and then I had to, like, pick vegetables and stuff like that. I, I, was, forced, I was forced child labor. I had to work in the garden, right? I remember my dad would grow gardens as big as this, as big as our ground floor. And, and I, I mean, we would be days, you know, and, and, and just picking stuff and, and bushels of, of vegetables to take. Uh, but growing the gardens in each row grew what was planted, but growing with what was planted, uh, if you didn't tend to it, other stuff grew alongside of it, right? And what were those usually? Weeds. So no matter what you planted, whatever you planted grew, and weeds grew with it. So you had to tend to it, right? You had to take care of it. And if you didn't, you wouldn't have much of a garden. Uh, so if you, could, if you planted green beans, green beans and weeds would grow. If you planted tomatoes, tomatoes and weeds would grow. Uh, if you don't tend to those plants and tend to those areas, the weeds would soon overtake what you what you planted. So a properly, however, properly prepared soil ensures less weeds will grow. So the same way in our heart, properly prepared soil in our heart, uh, soil that is being watered by the word of God on a regular basis, soil that's being dug and cultivated by the word of God and by prayer on a regular basis. Uh, those cultivated, less weeds grow in it. Uh, if we don't cultivate our, the soil of our heart and water the soil of our heart and deal with the soil of our heart, uh, the higher chance we have of weeds growing out of our heart, right? So it, it's something that we have to do, properly prepared soil. But also an unfocused, quickly thrown together garden with no attention uh, leads to disaster because the weeds overtake everything else. I remember uh, late in life, my dad would, would always plant a garden and he always enjoyed planting gardens my whole life he he always had something and in his late years of life his health wasn't the greatest uh, but he would go out and he had this big he had this huge tiller but he would only plant like an eight foot by eight foot garden because that was all he could he could really deal with but he was out there on this tiller it only took him like 45 seconds to till it because it was such a small patch he had this gigantic tiller and he he was out there and he, he wasn't very healthy but he planted this garden and and i remember us coming up to visit and we'd look out and we'd see this carefully tended garden right and it was just beautiful and uh he would have corn growing and and he would have green beans like the string beans on the on the stalks growing and he would have tomato plants planted and tomatoes would be growing and he would be so proud of it and we would go out and just and just pick fruit off of not fruit vegetables off of it and bring it in the and bring it in the house and wash them and serve them for dinner and stuff like that and he was just so proud of it and then I noticed later on in life when he had less energy when I'd go see him and I'd look out and see the garden and I remember one particular time he planted that garden but he didn't have the energy to tend to it and I looked out and, and it was just it looked like just a weed patch and if you look through the weeds, you could see some of the some of the vegetables came up and trying to grow and, and the plants, but they weren't thriving. They weren't pretty. Uh, the deer had ate most of what was left, and it was just kind of a mess. 
and it was because he didn't have the energy and the health to go out there and really tend to the garden like he was supposed to. But it's just a, it's a huge visual difference between a garden that's so tended, that's so beautiful, and sprouts such beautiful fruit to a garden that's not tended at all, and we don't take care of it, and then it turns into a jungle, it turns into a mess, right? And the same thing happens to our heart. If we tend our heart on a regular basis, the most beautiful fruit will emerge from it. What is that? The fruits of the what? Fruits of the Spirit. So a tended heart has the fruits of the Spirit that grows out of it on a regular basis. And the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that stuff begins to grow out of our heart. It makes such a beautiful moment. But an untended heart starts to produce the fruits of bitterness. Right? And, and that stuff begins to come out, which are anger, rage, outrage, self-pity, self-centeredness, uh, poor mental health, poor emotional health, and poor spiritual health. And that thing begins to come up. So if you just get a word, uh, a word picture tonight or a, a mental image is what I meant to say. If you get a mental image of two gardens tonight, one well-tended and one not, and, and think about the difference of what that's like and how important it is in our life on a regular basis every day to tend the garden of our heart. Every day that we do that. Amen? Amen. So two, the root of bitterness is demonically motivated and sustained. The root of bitterness is demonically motivated and sustained. So although demonically motivated, we still play a large role in allowing it to take root by avoiding our direction from God to forgive and release offense. So it's a demonically motivated attack on us and on our heart, but we still play a role in it by not following the word of God and being obedient to what he says, that when we first feel that offense, that we deal with it, allow God to heal it, and we choose forgiveness in that moment. We release it so bitterness doesn't come in. But if we're obedient, how many of you know when you're disobedient to God, you open the door to the enemy, right? That's in every area of our lives. If we're disobedient to what God has asked us to do, we open the door for the enemy to do something in our life. So God wants to do something in your life, and all he's asking for is your obedience. Be obedient to me. I'm asking you to do this. And if you're disobedient in that, you open the door for the enemy to do something in your life instead. So it's so important to understand that this is a demonically motivated event, but we play a role in it by our disobedience to what God has asked us to do. And again, why does God ask us to forgive? For us. Right? So God is a good, good what? We sing that all the time, don't we? Pastor Brad sings that almost every week. No, he doesn't. (laughs) He's like, what? God is a good, good father. So when God is a good, good father, he wants what's best for you, even if it's you having to take bad medicine, right? Bad tasting medicine still presents good results. So sometimes forgiving somebody is like taking Robitussin. Robitussin is one of the most horrible tasting medicines on the planet, right? But taking, taking Robitussin uh, produces good results for your body. So when God asks us to forgive somebody who's hurt us, it's like drinking and downing a, a, a thing of Robitussin, but it produces good results in our life. And he's a good father, so he asks us to do that. So we've got to understand that every time there's an offense and every time there's anger and unforgiveness in our heart towards somebody, the demons are just raring to go. The demons are there ready to go to take you out. They're lined up. This is it. This is it. We're going to get Pastor Kenny with this one. This is it. Look at this. Yep, this is the one. This is the one we're going to get him with. And then Pastor Kenny says, Lord, forgive him. 
Lord, I choose to forgive. And the demons go, because they don't get the opportunity to attack. They don't get the opportunity to set the trap, right? So if we're obedient to the word of God and we're obedient to what he says, we don't give the demons opportunity to come in and work in our life. But every single time you decide I'm not following the word of God and I'm justified in my anger and I'm justified in my unforgiveness and I'm justified in how I'm feeling and you know what, God, I'm just going to hold on to it for a little while. And we decide in that moment, then you give opportunity for that to continue to grow and for uh, something demonically motivated to happen in your life. We open the door for it. So if we're dealing with bitterness in our heart, we have to take immediate action and deal with it fiercely. Immediate action. So how do we do that? How do we deal with bitterness in our heart? Uh, Number one, confession and repentance is necessary. If you're holding unforgiveness, no matter what they did, because who's it about? You. Whose relationship is it about? You and God. No matter how, what has happened to you, you've got to release it. And if you haven't released it, you've been obe- disobedient to Scripture. And if you've been disobedient to God, that means that you need to repent. All right? So the first thing we have to do is confess our sin and repent. That's the first thing that's necessary because that's the first thing that restores what needs to happen between us and God. If we're not confessing and repenting, nothing else is going to come from that because God's waiting on us to confess and repent. But once we confess and repent, everything else begins to flow, right? So we have confession and repentance as necessary. Then next, we address the unforgiveness tied to the bitterness. Why do I have this bitterness in my heart? Who do I need to forgive? And in most cases, it's another person in your life. And in some cases, you, need, you may need to forgive God. In some cases, people walk around holding and harboring ill will Well, not ill will, but holding hard feelings towards God because of something that happened in your life. You know that that God is never wrong, but sometimes your perception is that what happened to you was wrong and it's God's fault. So in, in some cases, most of the time, you need to forgive somebody else in your life. And sometimes you need to make a, a, a moment of intense, fierce uh, uh, repentance to God for how you felt and how you've harbored it. Right. So so we address the unforgiveness tied to the bitterness. Thirdly, we sever and cut off all ties to the root of of bitterness by doing this, uh, by bowing before God humbly and asking him to do a work in our hearts. So we repent. We we confess and repent. We label the unforgiveness and who it's tied to and what it's tied to in our life that's caused this this bitterness that we're hanging on to. We label that unforgiveness and then we bow down before God. Get on your knees, get on your face, get humble before God and, and in your repentant heart ask him to root it out and clean out the areas that you've held from him and the areas that you've walled off towards other people. And in that moment, can I tell you that when you've walled off your heart because of bitterness from other people, it affects not only that relationship but other relationships as well. When you begin to, to wall off your heart and say, you know what, uh, I'm not forgiving that person, it not only affects that relationship but it affects other relationships in your sphere. And then eventually it affects your relationship between you and God. Right? It's something that we need to deal with. So, so we bow down before God. 
We ask him to, to humbly ask him to cut off all ties to the root of bitterness in our hearts, to root it out. And that we speak out loud our repentance, our forgiveness, and disavow the root of bitterness that we've been carrying. Speak it out loud. There's power uh, in speaking something out loud. I don't believe this, and, and those of you who are smarter than me can maybe correct me after church if, if you do, but I don't think the enemy can read our thoughts. And sometimes in order to put the enemy on notice, I think we need to speak it out loud. That he needs to know, because it's a demonically focused attack on your life, and you need to put him on notice that it's done. It's over with. You're not going to influence me anymore. I've repented. I've confessed it. God is rooting it out of my heart right now. And, and I rebuke it and bind it, and I disavow. I'm not going to be attached to that bitterness any longer, but I'm going to let it go. Right? We're going to let it go. Thirdly, the grace is always the answer to a root of bitterness. Grace. God's grace. Grace is always the answer to a root of bitterness. So first of all, it starts with grace freely accepted by us from God. God, I accept your grace in this situation. God, I understand I was wrong. Even though I felt justified in withholding forgiveness, I understand that that was still wrong. And Lord, I accept your grace for me in this situation. And understanding that you need grace is okay. Some people get upset because they need grace. And that's, a, that's when they have a, 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 uh, they have a perfectionist spirit about them, right? That everything has to be perfect and I have to be perfect, right? It, it's okay to need grace. It's okay. God has grace because you need grace. So in this moment, it's, it's allowing grace to freely flow between us and God. And then grace flows freely when those walls of bitterness come down. So those walls of bitterness dam up the flow of grace and love in our hearts and in our lives. And the more bitterness you allow to, to collect, the more walls grow and the less flow of love and grace that come through you. Right? It, it begins to dam it up. So grace allows us to reconnect with the vine of Christ allowing us to replace the flow that's coursing through us for sustenance and strength, right? Because Christ is our anchor, and Christ is our sustenance. So we're supposed to be rooted in Christ, not rooted in bitterness, right? And when we've rooted in bitterness, eventually it replaces our rootedness in Christ, which means eventually, to get yourself right, you've got to replace being rooted in bitterness and replace your roots in Christ, which is that... That, that form of repentance, that, that, that act, that bowing down, that humbly getting before God, asking him to clean out your heart and deal with these issues, right? So it's, it's something to reconnect with Christ. So to avoid bitterness, we must stay connected to the vine of Christ. Why? Because intimacy with God helps avoid intimacy with wrong spirits. The more intimate you are with God, the less intimate you have the opportunity to be less intimate with other wrong spirits. Right, so when if, if you're busy being intimate with God, you don't have any time to be courting any demonic spirits. Because God is all you need and God is all you want. Amen? So when you're, when you're intimate with God, it, it, it helps avoid intimacy with wrong spirits like bitterness, unforgiveness, greed, anger, all of that stuff, right? So the, this, this is what happens. It helps us to keep op our open eyes and a discerning spirit. When we're intimate with God, it helps us to keep our eyes open and have a discerning spirit. And if we're 
very and, and often intimate with God, and we spend time with him in prayer and reading the word, and we know that we know that we know our Heavenly Father, then when a spirit comes along that doesn't line up with him, we recognize it immediately. The less time we spend with God, the less chance we have to recognize a wrong spirit when it comes our way. So we need to know that. So bitterness happens when things happen and are not surrendered immediately to Jesus. So when the Bible says that don't let the sun set on your anger, right, that we, we deal with it immediately. And, and listen, guys, does that mean the moment that you forgive that all of anger, pain, hurt goes away? No. Sometimes that's, that's a process. But the right heart before God allows that process to go a lot quicker to heal you. Right, having the right heart before him in that moment allows that process to happen. Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty says this: Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So after a root of bitterness has been plowed out of your heart. And the soil has been turned uh, using the gift of repentance. How many of you know repentance is a gift? Repentance is a gift that God gave us. So after having used that, that, that gift of repentance and our soil has been turned, how many of you know new seeds have been planted? And the first thing that grows is freedom. Freedom. Because carrying around bitterness and unforgiveness and anger and, and mental and spiritual and emotional turmoil is a heavy, heavy job. It's a heavy job. It feels like you're chained to, to just wait on wait on wait on wait on wait. But the moment that you release it and the moment you allow God to cleanse that off of you and, and declare it gone and you get unhitched from that wagon, you get to get under the yoke with Christ. And he says, my yoke is easy, right? So freedom is, is the first thing that we get. The second thing that comes is joy of the Lord. Joy of the Lord. Joy of the Lord. Some people in this room tonight haven't experienced joy in a long time. And I, I feel that in my spirit. There's some people here that, man, you've just been trudging on, but you haven't, you haven't experienced joy. Can I tell you that something needs to happen in your prayer closet? You need to get down on your face and humbly before God, allow him to root the things out of you that are heavy, the things out of you that you're carrying, and allow that joy to begin to be revealed and grow in you, right? Right now, it's being choked out by weeds, so you got to get the weeds pulled, get the weeds out of the way so that that joy can begin to grow in your life. And how many of you can attest that there's nothing like the joy of the Lord? There's nothing like the joy of the Lord. I was in uh, I was in Uruguay in a, in a little country church, and I was preaching. And it's so hard when you don't speak the language, and you're trying to preach, and you're depending upon a translator to properly translate you, you know. And but I happened to get a, a, an an amazing translator, and he was with me that morning in this little Uruguayan church. And it was uh, we were late to service because our our, our driver got lost, <laughs> you know, and didn't know, couldn't find the church. We drove down like 20 neighborhoods, and then finally we show up at the church. And you know what? They waited. They didn't start service without us. They waited. They sat there, and this, this little tiny church was packed out. You could fit the whole church in probably half of this first section. 
and it had little uh, plastic chairs all over in the church, and it was packed out. I mean, there, every chair was full, and there was people standing in the back, and we pull up front, and I jump out of the car, and, and uh, a couple of the pastors were there, and they came out and hugged me and greeted me, and we, we talked for just a second, and then I needed to go to the bathroom <laughs> because I always do before I preach, and so I had to go find the bathroom, and it was in an outhouse, like out back, and so, so I go find the back the bathroom, and then I come back, and we go in, and, and we, they, they take me down to the front lawn, and they start service. Well, the whole time uh, after they announced me, and I came up, and I started to preach. The whole time I was preaching, there was this one lady who was about 70-something years old, and she was sitting in a chair about halfway back, and she didn't have any smile on her face. And no matter what I was preaching on, when the whole church was smiling, she didn't have a smile on her face. And I, I gave an altar call, and when I gave an altar call, the, the plastic chairs went out the front door. <laughs> you know, they're throwing the chairs out of the way, and everybody's just crowding in, right? And there's this big group of people, and, and I'm there, and I'm praying for people, and I see her, and she's still sitting in, the, in one chair that wasn't pushed away, and she's just sitting there. And I prayed for people for a while, and it kept, it kept coming to me, and finally the Holy Spirit just prompted me and said, you need to pray for that lady right now. And I grabbed my translator, and I pointed her out, and he went and got her and brought her up front. And the Lord told me to tell her that she hadn't uh, experienced joy in years, but that the Holy Spirit was about to fill her with joy. And in that moment, um, just a vessel, I just t lightly laid my fingers on her forehead. And that woman started laughing like I told the funniest joke in the world. The Holy Spirit came over her, and she started just belly laughing belly laughing the Lord had just released joy into her in such a level that everybody was shocked around her and started like stepping back you know I don't know if they thought it was a demon or what you know they're just stepping back but I'm watching her and, and her face the countenance of her entire face changed everything all the weight that she had been carrying was just released from her in that moment and she laughed and laughed and laughed I went and prayed through everybody else and I was probably in the altars for about an hour and a half praying for people and when I got done praying she was still sitting in a chair that they had brought up and just half in the chair and half out and out of breath and laughing and I went up and I, I sat her up and I gave her a, a big hug and through the translator I asked her you know what what happened and she said she lost her son like three years ago and had never had joy since and had carried the weight of his death every day of her life and it was the first thing she thought about every day when she woke up Last thing she thought about when she went to bed every night. But that day, for the first time in three years, the Lord gave her joy back. And it was such a, such a special moment. And, and can I tell you that the Lord is no respecter of persons. And what I mean by that is if you need his joy tonight, he'll give it to you. And if you need joy tonight, all you have to do is ask. And the Holy Spirit will move on you. Amen? Amen. So freedom, joy, and love is what begins to grow in your heart once you root out all the weeds. Once you root out all the bad stuff, freedom, joy, and love begins to grow. So Pastor Rocky Fleming said this. He said, when things are right with God and man, there is a holy rhythm to life. I love that. When things are right between God and man, there's a holy rhythm to life. There are healthy connections vertically with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there are healthy connections horizontally with the people in our life that are in our sphere. So when, they, when this happens, it brings balance. And when we're healthily connected vertically 
and healthily connected horizontally, it forms a cross. And Jesus is at the center of that cross. So one of the things in our life when we're struggling or we're, we're dealing uh, with, with issues or we're dealing with whole subscriptions, whatever, whatever we're facing, you know, whatever struggles were coming our way, can I tell you that nothing is too big for God to handle? And no matter how heavy your heart is weighed down, nothing is too big for God to, to lift off of you. Sometimes uh, when we're struggling and we're, we're we, we try to, to carry our own stuff all the time, and I, I think it's a form of pride. We just think that we're so strong, and I've been a Christian for so long that, man, this just shouldn't be something that I'm dealing with. And then we just try to carry it ourselves. And God is right there going, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Just, just ask me. Come on. Just, just ask me. I'll, I'll take it off of you. You got freedom waiting for you. You've got joy waiting for you. You've got love waiting for you. You've got a holy rhythm <laughs> with the Lord waiting for you. Just, just ask me. And he's just waiting for you to do it. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to ask tonight and if there's anybody in this room that's just, man, you've been carrying the weight of the world. And tonight you want to release it. You've been carrying some bitterness, maybe, some anger. Maybe you've allowed a root of bitterness to set in. Maybe that's you. Or maybe it's just, just tonight that you just you just feel the weight of the world and you just haven't had joy in a while. But but whichever one that is. Would you just lift your hands if that's you in this place? Just lift a hand up towards God. Just get them up high and say, God, tonight I choose to give it to you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. This is a moment that I want you to spend with the Lord right here in your seat. But I want you to surrender by lifting your hands and say, God, I surrender it. God, I've tried to carry it. God, I, I think that I'm strong enough to always deal with it on my own. But I know, Lord, that I've unnecessarily caused pain and issues in my life because I've tried to carry it on my own. It's too heavy for me. But, Lord, it's not too heavy for you. So those of you that there's hands all over this place, and I just want to pray over you from, from right here. And those of you who are in the seats and you're not dealing with anything, would you just pray with me for those who are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders? Father, I pray for those that are in this room tonight. up the one to you tonight that's in this room that has dealt with abuse. They've carried it and it's been heavy, heavy, heavy on their heart. They didn't invite it. They didn't do anything to, to receive it. It just happened to them. Father, I, I declare tonight that they would be set free. 
Father, I declare tonight that would be the night of their release. That they would no longer have to carry that pain. They would no longer have to carry that hurt. But tonight, it's released off them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I declare a clean and purified heart before you tonight. No baggage, Lord. No baggage in the mighty name of Jesus. We cast it off right now in Jesus' name. Father, let them feel freedom. Let them feel release from the the labor and the heavy laden that they've been carrying, Lord. Let them be released from that tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Let them feel your joy begin to bubble up in their heart, Father. Real joy tonight. I speak over them in Jesus' name. Father, that you've longed to take this weight off of them. And tonight is the night in Jesus' name. Father, that you release that person who's dealt with that abuse right now. Father, that it no longer hinder their relationships. That it no longer hinder their marriage. That it no longer can can hinder their walk with you, Lord. That there's no more stumbling blocks. But tonight it's done and released in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I lift up those who are struggling with the heaviness of just this life, Lord, and the things that happen and the people that hurt them and the weight and the baggage that they're carrying. And I declare tonight in Jesus' name that those weights and that baggage be released in the mighty name of Jesus. That hearts be set free tonight in Jesus' name. Those who have lifted up their hands and surrender tonight, Lord, and have said, I drop this weight and I'm not carrying it on my own any longer, but I give it to you, Lord. Father, I pray tonight that you would release that weight off of them so quickly and so effectively that they would have no doubt, Father, but it was you supernaturally releasing them from what they've been carrying. Lord, that you would set them free tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we declare freedom over this church, over this body tonight. We declare joy over this church body tonight, Lord. We declare freedom, freedom, freedom in their heart tonight. Chains of bondage that have been held on must come off tonight in Jesus' name. Roots of bitterness that have been dug down deep will be ripped out of the soil tonight in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your healing mercies. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you, Lord, that all we have to do is ask. And Father, you're more faithful to us than we are to you. But tonight, if we just turn it over to you, Lord, you'll take control. Lord, we thank you for that tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance. I thank you, Lord, that when we've carried something that wasn't ours to carry, and when we've been disobedient to you, Lord, you offer us the gift of repentance. That we can say, Lord, I'm sorry. Father, we're sorry for carrying things that wasn't ours to carry. Father, we're sorry for withholding forgiveness when we should have been forgiving. Father, we're sorry for allowing bitterness to get rooted in our hearts. Father, forgive us for that tonight. Set us free. I pray, Father, that those who have caused harm or those who have caused hurt would have free passage through our minds. That whenever we think about them or something triggers them, it wouldn't evoke any emotion because those roots of bitterness are dug out tonight in Jesus' name. There's nothing sustaining those feelings of anger and hatred and pain and hurt. But those roots of bitterness are pulled out tonight 
And Father, I pray tonight that in each and every one of us in this place, that we would continue to bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that tonight, Lord. Thank you for doing a work in our hearts, work in our relationships, work in our life. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for being the lover of our soul. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said.